spend some time meditating alone on the message translation of Romans chapter 8, asking God, what do you, might you have to say to us as a faith community right now? And after a while, we spent alone, we gathered together to share what we heard. Some of us heard uh, words of encouragement. Others of us saw pictures that we shared. And there others of us didn't actually receive anything in particular. But after sharing with one another as a group, we all, I think, felt a sense that God is here and God is speaking to us for this moment. We were practicing as a community how to hear the voice of God and to listen to God. Through this month of February, as Jerry has reminded us, we've been leaning into this spiritual practice of prayer. And wherever you are at in your spiritual rhythm, I hope that you've been encouraged to take one step further into this practice of prayer during this series. Members of our small group have been, you know, sharing our, the psalms and, or pre-written prayers that we've been praying uh, over our WhatsApp group after listening to the first series, Talking to God. And our staff team has been learning to pray according to the Psalms on Tuesday mornings when we gather over Zoom. But prayer is more than just talking to God. As Bethany reminded us last week, prayer is also talking with God, sharing our gratitude and our desires and our burdens. But prayer is more than talking to God or with God, as we're learning today. Prayer is also listening to God. Because prayer is a conversation. It's a two-way street. And admittedly, this is a bit of a bigger step for many of us. And if you're like my son, Evan, listening to God or hearing God's voice can sometimes cause anxiety. You wonder, am I really hearing God, even though I want to hear God? Or is this just bad lunch speaking to me? And others of us might just be afraid of God, what God might actually have to say to us. So we say, well, I'll just kind of leave it to myself. But, you know, the desire to hear God's voice is actually given to us by God's Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in us at work. And the Holy Spirit will also guide us to listen to God's voice. Listening to God is, in prayer is another way for us to be formed in the likeness of Jesus and to walk further into God's love for us, which is the whole point of following Jesus. So I'm going to talk about listening to God today in two sections. First is the importance of hearing God's voice, and secondly, how to hear God's voice. In John chapter 10, as Martha read for us, Jesus describes this relationship of his followers to him as sheep hearing the voice of a shepherd. In verses 4 and 5, we're told that Jesus' followers know his voice. They follow his voice. And they recognize his voice as the voice of Jesus, the great shepherd. They've learned to differentiate the voice of Jesus from all the other voices that we might hear. The voice of Jesus, our great shepherd, helps peel away all the false images that we might have of ourselves or of God and of the world around us. You see, Christian spirituality isn't just a list of doctrines that you adhere to or agree with. Christian spirituality isn't just a set of morals that you live by. It's a living, dynamic relationship between us and Jesus. And it's lived out in this two-way conversation as with a friend or a teacher who cares deeply for you. 
How many of you would like to hang out with friends who only talk to you and never listen to what you have to say? No one, right? But that's often how we treat God. And in these first two messages on prayer, we've focused on how the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray to God and pray with God. That's what Jesus taught his disciples. But take a step back and think about what was Jesus taught to pray? How was he taught to pray and spend time with God? And that's where Deuteronomy comes in. 6 verse 4 saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And go, as Martha read for us, love the Lord your God, tie, have these commands on your heart, tie them to your hands, to the doorpost, put them on your forehead. For over a thousand years, up until Jesus, the Jewish pe- Hebrew people would pray what is known as the Shema. They would recite these prayers three times a day. They would write it on scraps of paper, bind it on their foreheads, tie it to the doorposts. All of this was informed by Deuteronomy chapter 6, which our Hebrew friends have called the Shema. Shema is the very first word of that text, 6 verse 4. Shema Yisrael, translated for us in English as, Hear, O Israel. But Shema is not only hear, it's also understood as obey, listen, heed. It's, for example, so, so when we hear Shema, it's not just hear. Like, you know, we can hear stuff, but it's to also obey. So, for example, when a, when a parent says to their child, or we've been the child on the receiving end, it says, Andrew, listen to me. And often it's accompanied by, no, 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 look, look into my eyes and nod that you're hearing my voice. We say that, right? We're not just saying to our children, hear what I'm saying and pay attention and look at me. We're saying, do what I'm asking you to do. Hear and obey. That's what God the Father is saying to his children in this verse. Listen to me and obey, and it will go well with you. The Shema became the center line for Israel's prayer life for over a thousand years and continues even to this day. When I traveled to Israel-Palestine last year, about this time, for the first time, we joined with many Orthodox Jews to pray at the Western Wall. They would hold scrolls of scriptures in their hands, and they would also uh, wear these little black boxes on their heads or tie them around their forearms, literally doing what uh, what God commanded them in Deuteronomy 6, to honor scripture, even in guiding their prayers. You know, for Jesus, to listen and obey is the single most important thing to summarize what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's what I pray for my family and for myself every day at dinner time. I say, God, thank you for the food. Thank you. Uh, Help us to hear from you and to walk with you. You see, the anthem of our day is to be yourself, live your authentic self, and that will lead you to a happy life. But for Jesus' followers... What leads us to happiness and fulfillment is obey, and it will go well with you. Jesus repeats this in his words in John chapter 10 as well, when he says, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. See, hearing Jesus' voice is important, but learning to obey his voice is almost just as important. And I get it. The word obey bristles, like our self-fulfilling desires bristles against this word obedience. Obedience suggests that you are losing your autonomy and self-determination. 
But obedience to Jesus is not an obstacle to our happiness, as we might think. It's, in fact, the path to a happy and fulfilled life. That's why later in John chapter 10, Jesus says in verse 9, I am the gate. I am the door. I have come to give you life and life to the full. He's describing what we think, what we come to know is a happy life. See, trusting Jesus as the gateway to a good, full, and fulfilling life precedes hearing his voice. Trusting that he's good precedes hearing his voice. Trust precedes faith, and faith precedes hearing and obeying God. Ignatius of Loyola said this, Unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. He describes sin as that. Sin is the unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. Until we trust in the very depths of our hearts that God is good and that God wants only our deepest happiness, we will not desire to hear God's voice, let alone obey it. Most of us have a particular path to our happiness. It's some combination of material success, uh, having a family, being in a romantic relationship, fulfilling our sexual desires, and expressing our sexuality. These are all important, we're told, to living a happy life. And when we come across something that God asks of us as his children, God's command seems to be an obstacle to our happiness rather than the gateway or the pathway into our happiness. And our resistance to hearing and obeying God is rooted in a larger obstacle of doubting that Jesus and God are in factually good, in actually, in fact, actually good and for us. And until we believe and trust that Jesus does have the good and the best intentions for us, hearing and obeying God's voice won't become the driving aim in our lives. Hearing Jesus' voice of love, it's not an attempt to control you. In fact, it's enabling us to more deeply surrender our lives to the God of love. Trust precedes faith. Faith precedes hearing and obeying God. Eugene Peterson said this, this assumption of spirituality is that God always is doing something before we know it. So the task is not to get God to do something I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can respond to it and participate and take delight in it. This is the heart of prayer. Listening to God, trusting that God is good, and God is at work in our lives. Trusting and being willing to act on what God says to us. But this leads us to the question, how do we actually hear God's voice? Now, we, God, I believe God is God and can use any situation to speak to us. For instance, in the Old Testament, we're told that he uses a donkey to speak to Balaam. Or he uses a whale to swallow up Jonah to get him to do what God wants him to do. Those are kind of extraordinary ways that God speaks. But I think there are six primary ways that God 
often can speak to us that Scripture lays out for us. First is Jesus. Second is Scripture itself. Third is through our circumstances. Fourth is through our desires. Fifth is through the prophetic. And sixth, through listening prayer. So we're just going to talk through this pretty quickly. Obviously, we can't go into all of them, but it's just an overview for us to say, oh, these are different ways that God might speak to me. Which way am I less comfortable with and do I need to open myself up to God? So Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. When we hear Jesus, we hear God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Luke chapter 24. It's the week after Jesus was uh, crucified. His disciples are mourning. They're walking from Jerusalem to a town of Emmaus, and Jesus comes up alongside them. They don't recognize him, and they begin filling him in on what's going on. And then he goes on to say, explaining, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Scriptures, the old, what scriptures were to the Jews at the time, the Old Testament, the Torah, were all pointing to Jesus. Now, another, in a scene in Luke chapter 8, Jesus' mother and brothers were told, we're looking for him, but he's got a crowd of people around him and they can't get to him, and so they pass the word through his disciples to say, hey, your mother and brother, your family are looking for you. And how does Jesus respond? He says, my, brother and mother, uh, my bro- mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. That's Jesus' family. If Jesus has something to say in Scripture, then that's a pretty reliable source for hearing God, hearing God's voice. And when we resist hearing and obeying the words of Jesus, it's an opportunity to explore what's going on inside of our hearts that questions God's goodness and trustworthiness. Hear God through Jesus. Hear God through Scripture. God speaks through the minds of human writers who are inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to write and compile the text as we know it called what we call Scriptures now. The Dutch theologian Herman Bavink says this, Holy Scripture is not an arid story or an ancient chronicle, but the ever-living, eternally youthful word, which God, now and always, issues to his people. It is the eternally ongoing speech of God to us. When we read Scripture, we have the opportunity to hear from God. And one of the ways that we can do that is through uh, a particular spiritual practice called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is the Latin word for spiritual reading. It's one way of reading scripture with an ear to hear how God is speaking to us in the moment. And this kind of reading is where we invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate a particular word or theme or an idea that's in a text that as we meditate and read, read it over to ourselves. And this is different from the equally important task of studying the Bible, which Matt is helping us to do on the Gospel of Luke on every other Sunday. Where Bible study is saying, like, what does this mean to the original hearers? What do these words mean? What's the historical context? And how does that apply to us now? That's Bible study. But Lectio is saying, Holy Spirit, God, how is the Holy Spirit 
speaking to me in my, this moment right now through this text. Let me tell you, we're going to make it easy for you during the season of Lent to engage in this way. You can, we now have a text number. You can text Lent to this number on the screen, or you can QR code it, and you'll receive one daily Bible verse every day, every morning, through the season of Lent for us to journey together through the season of Lent with Scripture, inviting God to speak to us. Don't worry, if you don't get it, it's on our website. It'll come up in the announcements later. I'll pause for a bit, allow you to... Text Lent, actually. I think it pulls it up right away. So So acknowledge first. Okay, so that's speaking through Scripture. Let's move to third. God speaks through our circumstances. Now, let me first acknowledge that there's a wide spectrum of Christian thought on how God's will is known in all the details of our lives. You know, some Christian traditions emphasize God's sovereignty and rule and knowledge over all the events of life, and so our job is just to hear and follow. Other Christian traditions emphasize human free will and also recognizing demonic rebellion over God's rule. But most Christian followers will believe that God speaks through the circumstances that we find ourselves in. God speaks through the opportunities that are presented to us. God speaks through the closed doors that come across our lives. God speaks through the limitations that we recognize in us, through the giftings and skills that we develop, through the relationships that we have, through where and when and with whom we are born, the families that we are born into, the communities that we're born into, the situations that we find ourselves in. For instance, I was born to two parents who immigrated from Hong Kong. I'm five foot eight on a good day. So I don't think God is calling me to be a professional basketball player in the NBA. I don't, wasn't in the opportunity. I, don't, I have these certain limitations, both height-wise and skill-wise. But God does speak through the path that he has set me upon. Paula Darcy once said this, God comes to us disguised as our life. God comes to us disguised as our life, and often we just need to pay attention to how God is doing that. Circumstances. God also speaks to us through our desires. Attending carefully and critically to the desires of our heart is another way that God speaks to us. Now, much of the, our culture and world around us just say, fill, uh, fulfill the desires of your heart and you will be happy. Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. But this is at best a half-truth. The writers of the Bible itself say that Desires are, have, we have a much more comp- sophisticated view of desire. They tell us that our heart is complex. Our desires are full of love, but also full of ugliness. Full of beauty, but also full of ugliness. Full of light, but also shadows. Parker Palmer, who shares from his Quaker tradition in his book, Let Your Life Speak, he says this, Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. Before you tell your life that truths and that what truths and values you have decided to live up to, let your life tell you what truths you embody and what values you represent. See, desire is often good. Generally, it's part of God's good design in 
in all of creation. Birds desire to fly because they're designed that way. Fish desire to swim because they're designed that way. Humans are uh, designed to worship anything, something, and so we do that. But the Christian story also acknowledges this reality of sin, which distorts our desires. How and when we express our desires is where often we get into trouble and get confused. And this requires us to sift through our desires to find God's desire, true good desire within us. And in our highly individualistic culture, resist this urge to discern your desires all by yourself. Resist this urge to rely on people who only agree with you and your, what your desires lead to without asking you good and tough questions. Often we don't know what we want, and it's others around us who care for us that help us recognize what our desires are leading us to, to hear from God. For instance, many of us have seen the toddler temper tantrum, right? We may, might have even done this ourselves. What's going on when the toddler, a toddler has a desire, a desire to play with a toy that they can't play with, a desire to eat a snack that they can't eat at the time, and and the parent, though, looks at the child and says that in their wisdom and in their love, what is going to satisfy this desire is not a toy or a snack, but simply a nap because the child is tired. The parent sees it and the parent knows it. You know, other wise and caring people who care for us, who are for us, they help us recognize what our desires may be pointing us towards. Fifth, prophecy, for the prophetic. And under this, we'll find kind of the words described in Scripture, prophecy, dreams, visions, and words of knowledge. God speaks to us through the body of Christ and also for the body of Christ. Prophecy is not just predicting the future or pronouncing judgment on people, but in fact, it's a way for us to encourage one another. It's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Hearing God in the prophetic serves this primary function. I spent many years in the charismatic tradition where we were taught to hear God's voice for one another. This involves opening our imagination and our hearts to God as we're praying for another person, and we wait for a a word or a phrase or a picture or a scripture. And we share that and offer it to the person that we're praying for as perhaps a way that God might be speaking to them. And of course, if we are to hear this, we always test this against scripture or with community of wise and mature leaders to help us practice this hearing way of hearing God's voice. You know what? And I believe that there are people, there are many of us here who hear God, in this way, and we need you, and we want to hear from you, and so if you receive something from God, share that with the elders, share that with me. We would love to hear, because we need all of us to hear what God is speaking to us as a community. And many of us, I know we're humble, and we're afraid of getting it wrong, and I know getting things wrong is a really hard thing for control freaks like us in D.C., but that's 
how we learn to hear God's voice by practicing and testing it. It's, I think of it like the, the old radios. Is that what's on the screen? Yeah, old radio stations, and you tr- you're trying to find the station you're looking for. You hear a bunch of static, and you pass by something that you hear. Oh, that's music, and you pass by another one. Oh, that's talk radio. Oh, this is uh, music, a different station. But we have friends around us that say, oh, no, no, no. yeah, that's it. That's the station. That's it. That's what we do when we discern and hear God together, especially in the prophetic, in community. Lastly, hearing God and listening. Oh, well, let me just share this one. Over the years, I've experienced God speaking to me in very uh, formative ways. When I was a teenager, there was a, a worship pastor talking at a conference and leading music. And during a break, we were walking by each other in the in the, in the church, and I never met him before, and he stopped me, and he says, hey, I, I think I, God's got a word for you, and he's encouraging you to use your musical gifts to lead people in worship. I was like, you know, 14 or 15 at the time, and, but that's exactly what I needed to hear to encourage me to serve God. So when we receive an image or word in this way, one helpful guideline is simply to ask, is this prime, does this lead me to respond in fear or in love? Does it cause me to, uh, or, or the hearer, if you're saying it, to enter more into God's love or more into fear and manipulation? That's one quick way of checking. Is this from God? Lastly, we can hear God speak through listening prayer. This is the practice of prayer where we wait quietly for God to speak in our inner lives, in our minds, and in our hearts. G, uh, Jerry kind of led us to do that this morning as we opened the service. Now, it doesn't always have to be this audible voice from heaven where everyone hears. This practice is very similar to the preceding ones, but it focuses on our inner lives, on our thoughts, and our imagination. You know, as God's child, the Holy Spirit lives in you. God has direct access to your inner life. He has direct access to your mind and to your feelings. For instance, what is communication? Communication is simply guided thought. As I'm communicating to you, I'm guiding your thoughts in some way. It's kind of scary and holy too. For instance, if I were to say right now, imagine there's a purple elephant sitting at the piano with its trunk raised, pointing in the air. What are you thinking about right now? Purple elephant sitting at the piano. For those of you who have been dozing off and daydreaming, welcome back. (laughs) Hearing God through Jesus, through scripture, through circumstance, through desire, through the prophetic and listening prayer. These are all ways that God can speak to us because God loves us deeply, inviting us into a conversation and a relationship. And whatever you feel comfortable with right now, you say, okay, yeah, I can do the Jesus thing. I can do the scripture thing. I don't know about this other stuff. Maybe this, during this prayer series, this is an opportunity to lean into these areas and say, God, I, tr- I want to trust that you're good and that what you have to say to me is for my good and for my happiness and for, for my ultimate fulfillment. So let me open my heart to you. Whatever you're least experienced in, trust that God is good and will speak to you in those ways. In fact, practice it with your small group if you're meeting with them or hop online together with Jess on Monday nights to step further into this prayer practice of listening to God. 
Listening to God is the vital other side of prayer that we often neglect because we're too busy doing all the talking. We're too busy doing, uh, what, was, what was the thing, uh, like throwing our worries to, in God's general direction. Listening to God is a vital part of how we hear God and how he's inviting us to walk further in his love. May it be so in your life.